Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the incarnation of your Son, Jesus Christ, who came to know our weakness in full, that on the cross he might take upon him our sin, and that he rises again and is seated at your right hand, that with you we have a great high priest who knows all that we go through. May we be ever mindful of this in these days of Lent, that we would learn to trust him all the more. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I found myself reading what turned out to be a rather heartbreaking, at least of the first half of the story, story this past week. And it was about a woman who didn't really know her husband. When she met him, she found him to be charming and handsome and striking. And she was so excited that somebody such as him would love her. But as time went on, cracks in their marriage started to show up. And she started to wonder what was going on. Until one night, somebody called her and said, I don't think you really know your husband. And so she went and met with this person, and she learned all kinds of horrible things that this man had been doing, and she was heartbroken. And the story goes on, but the thing that was so striking about this story was that if you or I had met this man, we would have thought he was the most pleasant and charming person we had ever met. We would have been pleased to call him our friend, because from the sounds of it, he was charming and kind and pleasant to be around. You see, the devil and evil is often like this. The devil and evil often presents itself not as our enemy, but as our friend, offering us things that seem quite good in the moment. The devil does not always come as terrifying, a terrifying boogeyman with a little spear to poke us and, and yell at us and make us feel awful, though he can haunt us in such ways. He can also come to us as a friend, just there to help us out. I think I once saw an illustration of this story, and for the life of me, I can't even remember where, but it was a sort of modernized version where the the devil comes to Jesus in a nice three-piece suit, and he's perfectly shaved. In other words, he looks substantially better than I do on any given day. (laughs) And he came to Jesus and tried to charm him into doing these three things. And as odd as that might sound to us, I think that that's a good way to imagine what's happening when we hear the gospel lesson this morning. The devil doesn't come running at him going, oogie boogie boogie, I'm going to get you. But he tries to trick him. He tries to trap him. tries to get him to fall. And that's where we meet Jesus this morning. He's been driven into this desert, into the wilderness, by the Spirit, and he's been fasting for 40 days that he would experience temptation, that he would be tempted by the devil as we so often are. And so the first question we come to as we read this gospel this morning is why is it 40 days and 40 nights? And perhaps we know this, that there are two reasons, or three really, that this happens. The first is, of course, because Jesus is showing that he is the greater Israel. 
that he completes the fasting in the wilderness, that he completely trusts that the Lord, and like Israel was sent into the wilderness, so Jesus was sent into the wilderness. Deuteronomy 8, 2 tells us of Israel that you shall remember the whole way that your Lord, the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you, and know that you want, know, attesting to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And of course, if we read the Exodus, or perhaps when Easter comes, watch that great epic old movie, we know that they do not keep his commandments. In fact, as they receive the, the commandments from God, they bow down to a false god, but right before Moses comes back to visit them. But Jesus likewise is tested. And Jesus is, Jesus, Jesus likewise is tested. Another reason that he fasts these 40 days and 40 nights is I think that it points back to Moses and Elijah, both of whom fasted 40 days and 40 nights before going up onto the mountain to experience God. Like Moses and Elijah, Jesus fasts 40 days and 40 nights, but his going up on the mountain is a little different, isn't it not? Just a short period later, he goes up onto the mountain, much as Moses goes up onto the mountain, but he does not receive the Ten Commandments, but rather he gives the commandments. He gives them because it shows that he has the authority. But he fasts to repair, just as Moses and Elijah did. But the final reason that he fasts is that he shows that he has experienced the fullness of of human weakness. He shows that he knows what it is to be weak and to be tested, just as you and I know what it is to be weak and to be tested. When I fast, I found an odd thing seems to happen. I have these weird, strangely specific temptations, these strangely specific things that all of a sudden I want. I'll be sitting fasting, and suddenly I want those strudels that you get only at the grocery store. Not a good strudel, grocery store strudels. <laughs> or perhaps a hamburger from not even a good hamburger place, but the cheapest hamburger place you can imagine. I don't know why these, these temptations are so specific, but I can almost smell those things. And then I find if I you know, wait five minutes, I'm fine. But sometimes I don't wait five minutes. Sometimes I give in to those temptations. And it's so bad. <laughs> the devil tempts Jesus with food after these 40 days of fasting. He tempts him specifically with bread. He says, if, if you are truly the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And it's not as though Jesus can't do that. But that's not the point of Jesus' fasting. The point of Jesus' fasting is to fulfill what you and I have failed to do, what everyone else that walked this earth fails to do. And he reminds us in his rebuke of the devil that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And here he's looking back at, the Deut at Deuteronomy, and he's pulling from that, that covenant of God to his people. <clears throat> and by quoting this, Jesus respond, by quoting this, 
Jesus shows that the fullness of our life, lives do not come from what we eat, from what we desire, but come from the word of God. And so how do you find life in the word of God? Ask for help from the Holy Spirit. Read it voraciously, inquisitively, studiously, and read it with others. Ask for the help from the Holy Spirit. Read it in depth. Read it as much as you can. Read it openly and read it with others. Who are you reading the word of God with? And the devil is relentless. We see now the fullness of the devil's wiles and intelligence as he quotes back to Jesus' scripture. He quotes from Psalm 91 and says to him, for he, concerning God, he will command angels concerning Jesus to guard you on your ways. On their hands he will lift, bear you up and let you strike your foot against the stone. The first church that I ran was this little church in Maine, and I think I've told stories about this, and I've perhaps even told Leroy stories because he was wonderful. <clears throat> but we went through this period where our rector had died suddenly, and I was suddenly put in charge, and I think I was like 27 or something like that, and chaos ensued, not because I was in charge, well, because I was in charge, <laughs> but I don't think it was my fault in this case. My, my normal chaos is my fault, but, but not this one. And there was one time where I was like, you, you all need to meet and, and figure out what's going on. And so Leroy was the, the senior lay reader like Daniel, or senior warden like Daniel is here right now at our church. And he was leading the meeting. And finally he got frustrated and he's like, and I, I heard about this from several people. And it, it was his favorite saying after that. And he said, you know, standing in a garage doesn't make you any more a car than coming to church makes you a Christian. The same can be said for knowing the scriptures. It's a good thing to know the scriptures, but the devil knows the scriptures too, as we see here, as he cites without even really any qualm. And so what do we do to be different than the devil? How do we make the scriptures, as, God, as Christ has said, our bread? How does it, how do we, what do we do to do this? Our colic for Advent too is a good reminder of this, as it says that you are to hear the scriptures, to read them, to mark them, to learn them. So far, we're still on the same page, but then we are to inwardly digest them. Not literally eat the bread, not literally eat the pages, but to make them our life source, to let them minister to us. J.I. Packer, in his, in, his, in his book, Knowing God, summarizes it this way. How can we turn knowledge about God into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple but demanding. That, is we, that, we eat, that it is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise. We turn each thing that we learn about God for, into meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise. If we do that, 
our hearts are changed and formed. And we not only know about God, but we know God. And his scriptures form us. Jesus then responds to the devil in rebuking him. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And it's a quote again from Deuteronomy. And as we think about this, we learn the fullness of the devil's wiles and the wickedness and the fullness of God's faithfulness to his people. And then the devil makes a final try, at least for now. He tempts Jesus to gain the kingdoms of the earth without the cross. St. Paul and elsewhere tells us that every knee shall bow before Christ and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. But the devil so desperately wants that worship. And he has dominion, and he has some dominion even now. But he knows that Christ has come to overthrow him. St. John writes of this and says, Now this is the judgment of the world. Now will the ruler of this world, that is Satan the devil, will be cast out. It is Jesus' destiny to be seated at the right hand of the Father, to rule the kingdoms, to receive the glory. But first, he must pass through the cross. And the devil knows the pain that this will be for Jesus. The devil knows that Jesus will wrestle with the Father before the crucifixion. And Matthew tells us about this towards the end of his gospel where we see Jesus in the garden and he prays not once but twice, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And again, he prays, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus knows the pain that he will experience to buy our salvation and to be the ruler of the world, to be seated at the right hand of the Father, to hear every tongue confess and praise him. He knows that he must first pass through the cross. And so the devil gives him one final temptation, dominion without suffering. But Christ puts this down again and responds again by alluding to Deuteronomy. Again, reminding us that we have one and only one God that we are to serve. And that is God the Father. Jesus shows the fullness of his kingship will come through the fullness of his suffering. As we finish this story, I always imagined when I was a child that the devil was talking, and then all of a sudden, poof, he was gone. And perhaps that's the case, but we don't really know. But we do know that the devil then leaves him alone at least for a little while as the angels come and minister to him. As we've read about this, as we've thought about our own temptations, and we've seen Jesus' temptations, Perhaps you're wondering, well, is this only about fasting? But there's more temptations than just temptations to eat when you fast. There's ethical temptations. There's moral temptations, spiritual temptations, 
temptations in your thought life? How do you handle your money, your time, and such in business? How do you treat others? Are you thinking right now, well, I don't have that many temptations. Maybe you are tempted by pride then. (laughs) What about spiritual temptations? Fidelity to God and God alone. What about temptations in your thought life? How do you think of other people? Are they there to make you happy or are are they there to serve you? How do you think of yourself? Are you God's beloved daughter or son, adopted through the grace of Christ? As you contemplate this, take heart, dear brothers and sisters, and remember what Isaiah tells us, that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We have all failed. We have all given in to temptations. Outside of Christ, we are all dead in our trespasses. Outside of Christ, we are all hopelessly lost. But the good news that we've been reminded of in this passage is that Jesus has already overcome the devil. He is already victorious in temptation. And the important point of this, we learn, is that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted and yet without sin. We are reminded that the devil has no authority over us. The devil has no authority over you. But more than that, Our Savior fasted 40 days and 40 nights and felt the full force of the devil's temptations and overcame them. Where you and I have broken in our temptations, the devil, that Jesus has made it through. The devil did not defeat him. And so as you struggle, he knows your struggles. He knows your struggles and can sympathize with you. What good news is that? My friends, Jesus is victorious in temptations. Jesus is victorious over the devil. Jesus is victorious over your sins. Jesus is victorious over death. There is no power in heaven nor in hell that can reign over you if you are submitted to Christ. If you are in Christ, let this Lenten season be be filled with knowing the fullness of God's grace in Christ in your life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Remember the words.